Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show. Hello, and welcome to this thing called life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I hope you are well. I have back with me today, Mrs. Sandra Wright, and I am so excited that she she could come back and we could continue our great conversation. Um, so we welcome her and we'll dive right in here shortly. Um, again, we continue through this podcast to unpack the truths about organized tissue donation. And we do this through the sharing of individuals, experiences, and beliefs. You know, there's a lot of misinformation and falsehoods out there, and often this gets passed down through generations of families and tend to take on a life of their own to the point that people actually believe a lot of this misinformation to be fact. And so my hope, my goal is to use this podcast platform to create a better understanding of what donation is and isn't and how it impacts people in our community. I also wanna use this space as a pathway to creating better understanding and healing. And once we do that, we can do better because we know what the truth is about donation. So with that, uh, I wanna just remind you that March is National Kidney Month. And here are a few quick tips to keep your kidneys healthy. Staying active and fit is very important. Controlling your blood sugar, monitoring your blood pressure, monitoring your weight and how you're eating and diet. Also drinking plenty of fluids, water, not sugary sodas. Things filled with a lot of sugar and calories are not good. Water is great. Don't smoke. And be aware of the -the over-the-counter pills that you're taking and how they might impact um, and affect your body. And also have your kidney function tested if you're at high risk. And what I mean by that is if you have a family history that includes diabetes, um, hypertension, high blood pressure, that could potentially put you at greater risk. So it's important to know your family history and just stay connected with your doctor and just kind of, you know, listening to your body, being in tune with your body. If something is off, go to the doctor because delaying and denying won't make this go away or make it any better. So it's really important to just be as proactive as we all can possibly be with with our health. Um, And then also visit nkf.org for more information. Um, There's, it's a great resource. Uh, it does a deeper dive into kidney health. And so again, nkf.org, please please visit that and get more information. You know, African-Americans make up the majority of people on the national waiting list for kidney transplants. And why is that? Well, research suggests that African-Americans may carry a gene that makes them more salt sensitive, makes us more salt sensitive, thereby increasing the risk of high blood pressure and heart disease. 
We also have higher rates of obesity that lead to these health issues. So again, it's about learning the signs and how can we be healthier and just really live our healthiest and best life. So with that, I am so excited to welcome back my friend, Ms. Sandra Wright, founder of the Greater Cincinnati African-American Heart Association. Welcome back, Sandra. How are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here again. Oh, I'm just, I'm glad that we were able to align our schedules and make this work. Um, so just a quick recap um, for our listeners. You are a heart transplant survivor, meaning you are now a member of this unique community of transplant recipients, specifically heart recipients, um, one that I'm sure you never imagined that you would be a part of, if I had to guess, right? So true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So can you just refresh like, uh, and just let people know when you had your transplant start there and what precipitated that? Okay. So, and I had the transplant in 2017 on the heels of having uh, contracted a virus in 2014 mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning of 2014. And so by the middle of 2014 was kind of when everything climaxed. And I found myself uh, in the hospital while on vacation um, at uh, downtown Chicago. And (laughs) the end result was they came in to tell me that I had CHF, which is heart failure. And of course, it was kind of hard accepting that news because I had no prior issues with my heart. Was there a family history that you knew of? Uh, Yes, my dad had a pacemaker and my maternal grandmother had a pacemaker. And unfortunately, that is one of the downfalls I feel that we as a culture, we have in not really knowing what our family health history is and then really not taking it serious uh, to understand the importance of knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, because some things are hereditary and, you know, it can be a part of your gene pool. Yeah. And so it just makes it very important to understand and, and to know that. Absolutely. So we wanted to utilize our time together today because we spent a lot of uh, a lot of our time last episode just really kind of diving into the challenges that um, many African Americans face um, in terms of barriers and lack of ex- access and and just being a you know feeling a part of a community that is supportive and that's really part and a main driver of the organization that you founded. Um, but what I want to talk about today is why do you think so many African-Americans remain opposed to organ donation? Um, I believe part of it is what you've already touched on. It's just a lack of knowledge. It's so much misinformation out there. Uh, it's so many lies mixed in with a little truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, And then it's part of our heritage and how many of us were raised, 
you know, some things are just taboo in the African-American community. You just don't do it. You don't talk about it, et cetera. Right. Uh, but I think the main factor of it all is knowledge. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is key. And do, do you ever get the sense that this is just a topic that, as you said, taboo, that um, people just don't want to talk about? It's uncomfortable. So rather than mm -hmm. talk about it, we just kind of sweep it under the rug. Yeah. Well, you know, when you think about it, um, it, it kind of, and I hate to say it this way, and I don't mean to be offensive to anyone because a lot of us are walking around with transplant organs, mm -hmm. but it's kind, it almost kind of gross you out when you think about it, you know, you have somebody else's body part in your body. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it, you know, I had some mixed feelings about it in the beginning. Did you really? I did. You know, I, when, when all of this came on the scene way back when, long before I even thought that I would have need for an organ of anyone's, you know, it just wasn't something that I felt was right. I just, you know, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. It just did not seem natural. Mm -hmm. So my question then becomes, mm -hmm. what, once you were faced with the, your health crisis and knowing you were in heart failure, what changed for you? You know, as I had shared initially with the, the first um, session we did, I had a unique experience. You know, I'm a God-centered, God-fearing, spirit-led woman. And I've, I have all kinds of experiences in my life that validate that for me. And so I don't have to convince anyone to believe. I know it's good and it's working for me. And so with all of that, um, God had, had sent me such a strong word and put me in such a place of peace, took away the fear of dying. I had no concern about dying. And so that's, that's the whole battle right there. Mm -hmm. So, so when I was in the hospital and, uh, it was actually at Christ hospital to be exact, mm -hmm. they are the ones who did the diagnostic test to look at my heart, to see what my actual heart looked like. And when they came to tell me that my heart was so damaged that it would no longer serve me, I needed a new heart. And I had only one option was a heart replacement. Mm -hmm. And so they said, now you do have uh, two options with that. You're gonna either get a human heart or a mechanical heart. But at the time, Andy, my heart was so damaged that I couldn't even get the mechanical heart. So my only option was a human heart. And how long did you wait for your transplant? 40 days and 40 nights was the entire time of me waiting. And so on the 41st day, me and this baby was rocking. <laughs> and it's kind of bittersweet because you know the reason you are able to continue in life someone else's life has ended. And that 
it's always sad, you know, it's always sad, but it makes you ever so grateful and so thankful. Mm -hmm. And also that there, there was someone else out there who was selfless enough to say, I am going to register to be a donor Mm -hmm. and make this decision. And then ultimately, you know, through God, through the universe, through it, just that heart found its way to you. And that, that is, that is God. (laughs) It's it's so amazing, you know, God first for sure. And what modern medicine is able to do. Um, Yes, before I was totally on the fence, I won't say that I was 100% against it. I just couldn't fathom it, you know. And so I just, I had uneasy feelings about it, but honey, ask me what I feel about it now. You know, (laughs) having this heart has allowed my life to continue. And so that's what organ donation does. It extends life. Absolutely. So growing up, was this ever a topic of conversation in your household when you were about to perhaps get your license or you knew of a family member or friend who may have needed a kidney transplant for, I mean, was it, did it ever come up that you can recall? No, as a matter of fact, um, I can't ever recall a conversation and see back then it really wasn't that prevalent like it is now. Mm -hmm. And so it, you know, it just wasn't, a need to have that discussion, whereas it is now. But no, I don't recall ever us ever having that conversation. But to your point, to the point of that, I don't ever recall us ever talking about heart. Uh, I mean, health issues. Period. Mm-hmm. You know, we never talked about any of that. We never discussed diet. We never talked about the foods we eat. You know, or how it could be creating harm. We just didn't have those conversations. They cooked, they used all of the lard and whatever else they used. The smooth, the food smelled good and chow, you know, it tasted good. And it tasted better. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I remember, <laughs> you say lard, because I remember growing up that we had that, that big can of Cisco and my dad would always put the, the, he would recycle the grease and put it in there right again. Yeah. That was was normal. That's just, (laughs) that was, that was part of the seasoning. (laughs) Oh, wow. You just brought up a memory. I mean, that is, that's funny. I think that's why I don't fry anything to this day. I I don't, because I just, (laughs) that doesn't register in my mind. And I know that is, that can't be healthy, but I remember it. Yeah. Well, as they say, better is to do better, you know? And so now we're inundated with information. Um, Everybody's educated one way or the other, whether they got a formal education or they just educate themselves. So we just have information is flooded with it. And so, yeah, why would you continue to 
do things that's harmful to you and put yourself in a situation of having to need someone else's organ. Exactly. And that, you know, I think that that kind of is the crux of this whole conversation because it is disproportionately more people of color who are in greater need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's, you know, there's a, there's a level of just um, personal responsibility and just doing everything that you can just to take care of yourself. And so it, it's, it breaks my heart when, you know, you see people who are struggling and on dialysis and, um, and they'll, they'll tell you for years, they knew, they knew they had a family history, but they felt okay. And they didn't really want to deal with it. They were in denial. And yeah. fortunately, you know, that denial is, is it's killing people. Mm-hmm. And we have to get to a space where we embrace how precious we are as people and how precious our lives are. And we have to do everything we can, you know, to be here and be present. And so I say all that to say, how do we, as I'd mentioned last, last time we talked, how do we begin this conversation about generational health and, and making sure we are having those conversations and, and, you know, not, walking around in a shroud of silence and not talking about it. Right. Well, what I've done personally, having had this experience of having to have a heart transplant and thank God for the great result that I have had. I've not been back to the hospital for nothing except routine checkups and they've all come back a plus. Mm-hmm. So I'm so thankful for that. Uh, this heart and I, we are in perfect harmony. So I've talked to my family, uh, my children, my grandchildren, and my brothers and my husband. And it's like, I get it. I understand the concerns about putting this on your driver's license. I totally understand that. But if you do have the desire to pass on your organs after you no longer need them. You know, you've transitioned and you wanna give that gift to someone else to continue in life. I now know how precious that is. Mm -hmm. And I would have no problem. Yeah, whatever is left that could be used, go ahead. But what I said to them, there are ways to do it and you can still live in your peace. Mm -hmm. Put it in a living will write a handwritten note and have it notarized and seal it and put it someplace and only tell whoever you want to know about it. And so when you do expire or you transition sounds better, then your wishes can be carried out and you can still live your life with your mental peace that you don't have it on your driver's license and nobody's gonna kill you prematurely for your organ. Right. And, you know, I just, as you were saying that, I started thinking again about you and how unique this was, because only about 1% of the deaths that occur in, say, a year's time are patients that are actually eligible to be an organ donor, because the the criteria is so specific. Mm -hmm. So, Again, you know, as we're talking about just 
how blessed you were with this opportunity or, you know, this gift. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's so rare. And that's, you know, that's the other thing I think people need to understand. Um, just because it's on your license, it doesn't mean that that's going to be what happens, you know, because mm -hmm. it's, not a, it's not a guarantee. You have to, a patient, a person has to have di um, died as a result of an unsurvivable brain injury, a traumatic mm -hmm. brain injury. And that just does not happen that often. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it's 1% of the deaths. Now, to be a tissue donor, there's a greater opportunity. So mm -hmm. it's not so specific. The criteria is a lot more um, broader. Um, you don't have to be on a ventilator in the hospital. Um, so, and you don't have to, it doesn't, it's not a brain injury that has caused that person to pass away. So the criteria definitely is um, a lot broader there. But again, as you were talking earlier, I think it's just about that education, you know, mm -hmm. and really understanding the importance of it um, and, you know, challenging these conversations. Like you, you said, there's, it's about a lack of knowledge and, you know, these lies sprinkled in with a little bit of truth kind of take a lot, take on a life of their own. Mm -hmm. and, and we're just, we're rolling yeah. off of misinformation and that's not helping any. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of having podcasts like this because mm -hmm. people can listen in and they can get information from a reliable source like yourself. And then if they still, you know, have some questions or some uneasiness, do some of your own research. Right. You know, um, but I just I think it's a wonderful thing. Yes, I really do. I think it is a wonderful thing. And um, the fact that I have this heart in me, it totally has changed my feelings about it, my perspective on it. And certainly, you know, when I expire, if there's any way that I can leave parts back for someone, it would be my pleasure to do it. What a beautiful legacy to be able to leave, to know that as you said, once you transition that you were able to help others who needed help. Exactly. In such a beautiful way. That's the beauty of it all. Um, Andy, I've thought about this so many times, you know, my life was going to end. It'll be five years this August that I've had the transplant, August the 11th. And so at some point in 2017, I was headed in the other direction. Had I not been fortunate to be this blessed and, you know, the first heart, some people have to have this surgery multiple times. But, but the thing that I really want to share with everyone listening is to think in terms of it as an extension of life extension of life someone else's life it came to an end but because of the gift of their organ it has extended the life of another person to go on and do some remarkable things like i'm doing with this heart that's just a strong real testimony you know because you're right it could have it could have 
like you said, it was going in a different direction. Yes, it was. And everything aligned for you and for your family and because of, of the person who made that decision to, to help others. And, mm-hmm. and you're honoring, you're honoring that gift every day in what you're doing in your work. If people, why don't you talk a, a little bit about your organization as we begin to wrap up here? Well, when I was in the hospital and they truly was amazed at seeing how everything worked out so favorably for me. But I told them, you will never, ever regret putting this heart in me. And I will pay it forward every day that I have breath in this body. And so I feel a a sense of obligation. And I am so honored that God saw fit to give me an organization such as the Greater Cincinnati African-American Heart Association. And it was by divine intervention that all of this came into play. This is not something I set out to do, but I said yes to the assignment. Mm -hmm. And it is with great pleasure I give everything that I have to this. And, you know, to be able to take part in an opportunity like this, to be able to share information from a person who have traveled this journey in a real way and to say to people, it is a wonderful thing to be an organ donor and it's even greater to be a recipient Mm -hmm. because it extends your life. And so that is the mission of Greater Cincinnati African-American Heart Association is to elevate the consciousness, helping people to become more aware and speaking from a place of authentic truth. You know, I am not a medical professional and I don't know everything, but I know what I experienced. Mm-hmm. And I know the way we are cultured and I know the beliefs that some of us have. And so if I am able through my testimony and my work with this organization to help one person to have a greater understanding, then that can help a whole family. And, you know, that makes it worth it. And so I just want to let our listeners know, if you want to learn more information about Sandra's organization, you can visit GCAA ha.org. That's Greater Cincinnati African American uh, Heart Association. GCAAHA.org. Yes. Well, I want to thank you for doing round two with me. Um, I think this was a wonderful conversation. And I think, you know, my hope is that we've given people some things to think about and hopefully we've changed some hearts and minds about this, about donation. I think this is so important. So I want to thank you for your time. And you're very welcome. Also just want to, you know, we don't know who your donor is, but we just want to honor them as well and their family for the tremendous gift that you were given. Um, Absolutely. Able to continue on and, and this new chapter of your life and, and just helping other people. 
Yes, them, the donor, the family, and my care team, the doctors and the nurses I had, they were phenomenal. My nurses pretty much filled the void of family because I was two hours away from home. Mm -hmm. And those frontline people, they give their life to save lives. Mm -hmm. And I cannot say enough good about them. I had the best care team. I get goosebumps thinking about them. I just love them. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> they are special people. I mean, oh, yes. They really are. They truly are. So I want to end our show today with Sandra, um, as I do each show, by reminding you that today, over 106,380 people are waiting for life-saving organ transplants. And more than 3,000 are in need of heart transplants. So your decision to be a donor, um, doing your research, taking the step to register, sharing or sharing your decision with your family can mean life to a person who is dying. And as we've spoken to Sandra again today, it's, it's people like, it's women like Sandra, it's men, children, and our other people in our communities, there are neighbors, uh, there are people that we may worship with, and there are also people who we don't know. But the commonality here is that it's someone who needs our help. So I would encourage you to visit lifepassiton.org to get informed, to be empowered, and to learn the truths about donation. I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to thank my friend Sandra for being on with me again today. And I just want to remind you to please be kind to yourself and to others. Thank you so much and take care. This episode is brought to you by Life Center. Are you interested in saving someone's life by becoming a living donor? You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By offering a kidney or a portion of the liver, living donors offer their loved one or friend an alternative to waiting on the national transplant waiting list for an organ from a deceased donor. Today, the number of living donors is more than 7,300 per year and one in four of these donors is not biologically related to the recipient. Go to Life Pass It On for more information. Thanks to Life Center for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.